is that this God that we speak of, it is not a mystery, but he is a living God. And it is my prayer that many of the believers, and especially for this house, to recognize that we have not come and our usual Sunday gathering is not just a come just for the sake of saying that we have made an attendance. But coming to the house of God is basically saying, God, we are here for you to have your way within us. Yeah. The past three days, as I've been praying, I asked God, Father, please let us get it one day. Because Friday night, we received the word of the Lord from our dear beloved Elder Roslav about a great invitation, a word that is truly transforming in recognizing who we were and where he took us from. Then yesterday morning, we were taught, tell your neighbor we were taught. The cup of salvation. One of the things that I'm taking home with me is that this cup is the totality of everything. The cup of salvation is not a cup that is filled halfway, but totality of what? Everything. And what I want you to take home with is that doctrine before what? Duty. If you were here, it would have helped you. But if you weren't here, you can go and watch it on the YouTube. And then last night, we came to the place of rejoice over the king. God is intentional about you. Means that you are never a mistake. As a matter of fact, your problems you are going through, it is part of God's intention for you to go through it. Because he has something greater at the end for you. But a lot of times, because we don't recognize this God for who he is, we go through the problems and we start to blame. And all we do is either blame and go to the extreme. Sometimes we even curse our situations. But God has a reason and a purpose. Tell neighbor God has a reason and a purpose. And today we are going to end the three days of convocation with the main theme again, behold the king. Behold the king. Amen. Which comes from Zechariah chapter, chapter number 9, verses 9. The Bible says, rejoice greatly, daughters, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lonely and riding on a donkey, and on a coat, and foul of a donkey. Amen. Our kin comes to us. Our kin comes to us. Behold the kin. Hallelujah. I want us to take our scripture to the book of John chapter 1 verses 29. John chapter 1 verses 29. And for the sake of time, I'm going to go through things a little bit faster today because of the many things that we have to do today. But I also want to make mention that as the Lord placed in our hearts, that there is a prayer box here that if you have any prayer requests, 
We are engaging into a time of, 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 of truly a warfare prayer. Because the people of God need to understand that the battle that we fight are not of the kind of the flesh, but they are spiritual warfares. Stop being too light in the affairs of your Christian journey. Did you get me? Stop being too lightweight. You have to be heavyweight. Whereby you get to the very place that when you command, heaven moves according to what you have declared. That is where the people of God need to get to. You didn't just come to church just for the sake of taking a seat. But where two or three is gathered in his name. The Bible says whatever we bind on earth also has to be bound in heaven. It says as faith as small as a mustard seed. Some of us we have neglected this place of faith. But I came to understand one thing that if we the righteous can come together and pray to God. Listen, I am tired of hearing about the things that are going on in this world. And all that we can do is to complain and talk about it. I wish the church of the living God will rise on its feet and intercede for our nations, intercede for the globe, for the things that are going on in this world. It is about time that believers we rise to our occasion and our responsibility. I'm not preaching. I'm just speaking to my brothers and sisters. We have become so involved about ourselves and less of our purpose. So if you have a prayer request, you can always feel free and put in there. Today we are going to be praying over it. There are some things that you also not carry over with you. You have become too accustomed to some things that have accustomed and let keep going with you every year. But some things have to come to an end. Are you hearing me, church? You have to have that desire that there are some things that has to come to an end. Amen. John chapter 1, verses 29. We come to recognize, and if the text is up, God bless you. We are going to be reading from this text. And I think this text actually really brings a very a better clarity of when the theme says, Behold the king. We understand what it first means when the subject of behold is mentioned in the Bible. Because if you read the words as it is just formed, you will miss what God is trying to draw your attention to. And so anytime the word of the Lord used the word behold, it means that the aftermath, what is after it, it is necessary for you as a believer to have a clear understanding what you are supposed to behold. Amen. So it says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming unto him. And said, Behold, the lamp of God, which taken away the sin of the world. And I'll come back and address these things very soon. This is he of whom I said, After me come a man which is preferred. Tell somebody, preferred. Before me. For he was before what? Me. And I knew him not. But he 
but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, I'm, therefore, am I come baptizing with water. Verse 32. And John bare record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. Verse 33. And I knew, please take me back. Verse 33. And I knew him not, but he that sent, hear it again. And I knew what? Him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he with baptized. 34, and we are ending there. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of what? God. Go to verses 29 again. He says, that behold, the lamp of God. The what? The lamp of God. Which has what? Taken away the sin of the world. Let me repeat that again. Behold, the lamp of God, which has taken away the sin of the world. The lamp of God has taken away. I don't know what has been your problems. But the lamp of God, in the presence of this lamp, he takes away everything that has entangled you. I came to announce you today, anything that has pressed you down, he is the only one that is able to take it away. You didn't get to me here. And this is how sometimes we value God so low here. You see, for something to take away something, I cannot come to your house and take something out of your house by virtue of that. Because you are the owner of your house. So when the Bible says the lamp of God, who takes away the sin of the world, it means that Jesus, who is the lamp of God, has power and authority over everything that has weighted you down. He takes it away. He takes away the diseases. He takes away the pain. He takes away the shame. He takes away the confusion. He takes it what? Away. Tell your neighbor he takes it away. The lamp of God. He takes it away. And then he continues. And said, this is he whom I said, after me come a man which is preferred before me. What? Preferred. Mean that he is putting Jesus at the highest pedestal that anybody can ever put him. He is supreme. He is the highest of the highest. Now he is not done yet. But he says in verses 31. And I knew not him not. Again, when the subject of behold is spoken of, 
It is talking about intentionally or intensity to look into something. But now, John the Baptist, who is introducing Jesus, is even saying, I know him not. The key to know him is your place of humility. He could have said, I have received the revelation. I'm the one that is to come to introduce him. He didn't get to me here. Some of us, we get so caught up because we want to be recognized. We want to be highly acknowledged above everybody else. But John the Baptist said, I know him not. He had received the revelation. He had access to the revelation. But he also said, I know him not. Meaning that there is a certain level of God that not until you keep working with him, you will not know the fullness of him yet until he reveals and reveals and reveals and reveals. Today you will know him as your helper. But now until you wait to see that he's also a provider. But now until you wait and see that he's also a healer. John said, I know him not because the caliber of this Jesus, I cannot contain it. The magnitude of this Jesus is beyond what I can comprehend. So I, for, for, for me to be safe, I need to recognize that I don't know him. Now, just by saying that does not mean that we have an excuse to neglect our purpose. Why? Take the scriptures there again for me, please. Please work with me quickly. And he says in verse 31, I know him not, but he, but that he should be made manifest to what? Israel. Therefore, am I come baptizing with water. John could have said, because I don't know him. I can't do what he has called me to do. But he recognized that he still had a purpose. And it, it does not matter the level of your knowledge of this God. As long as you recognize it is he that has given you life then you have every opportunity to let your life be of service to him. It's time that you stop that excuse and say, I, I just became a born-again Christian. Paul became a born-again Christian. And on the encounter of his new born-again, the Bible used the servant of God to do greater exploits. You have to be the next Paul of your generation. Tell somebody, don't neglect it. And verse 32 and 33. And John bear witness, record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven 
with a dove. Like a dove, sorry. And it abode upon him. Verse 33. I want to show you something here. And I knew him not. But. But. He that sent me to baptize with water. He that gave me life. He that gave me my purpose. But he who sent me. But he who sent me. Even though I don't know the fullness of this Jesus. But he who sent me said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. The same is he which baptized with what? The Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. So we are beholding the Son of God. So what John is teaching here in verses 34 and 33 is that to behold the Son of God, the requirement is based on two things. One, seeing. Two, testifying. To behold Jesus is not just saying, I am looking in depth of who Jesus is, but you are seeing who he is. And then you are not stopping there. But you are also testifying. So when the woman met Jesus at the well, she saw him as the Messiah. And she went to testify. When you experience the position to behold, you not only just see, but you also testify. Your testimony is what will bring many to know that there is a God that dwells and reigns forever. Say hallelujah to Jesus. I have a few minutes to, to truly take you through the objective that I want to cover today. One, the how to behold the king. How to behold the king. And two, the testimony or beholding the kin. How to behold the kin requires three essential things. There could be more, but what the Lord gave to me is what I'm going to give to you. You need to understand these three things. Because it is in these three things that you gain mastery as a child of the kingdom of God. He didn't say amen unto Jesus. You see, for me, I don't know about you, but I just don't want to pompous myself and say I'm a child of God. I want to live with the evidence of God's kingdom on this earth. Everywhere I go, I will lift his name higher. Everywhere I go, I will lift his name higher. Everywhere I go, I will lift his name higher. It doesn't matter. Even when I walk through the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Because everywhere I go, I will lift his name higher. So today what I want us to speak about, three, the three things 
is one beholding him in the spirit of holiness. Two, beholding him in the spirit of purity. And three, beholding him in the spirit of righteousness. Hallelujah. We are going to take our scriptures to Hebrews chapter 3, verses 16. Go to Hebrews chapter 3, verses 16 to 19. Amen. And it's essential that we understand this very particular place about holiness, church. What is holiness? Holiness is God himself. His divine nature, which he has bestowed upon us to live and to what? Worship. I repeat it. Holiness is God himself, his divine nature, that he has bestowed upon us to live and to what? Worship. So how do we see and testify of his holiness? That's what the scriptures about to teach us very soon. But we need to understand the fact that we don't make ourselves holy. It is impossible for us to make ourselves what? Holy. Exodus chapter 31 verses 13, the Bible says, Say to the Israelites, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you what? Holy. Please, let's go back to Hebrews. Stay there for me, I beg. Hebrews 13, verses 16 to 19. When we speak about holiness, what most of us understand about holiness, it is that it's about the place of separation from sin. The place of separation from what? Sin. But I would like to add some few things to your understanding about holiness so that we can recognize the need to see and testify of his holiness in our everyday life. Hebrews chapter 3 verses 16 to 19, the Bible says, For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Can I get the Christian version, please? Because I don't think this version, King James does me a good justice here. All right, let me read from the NIV. All right, that's the word I was looking for. For who heard and rebelled? For who heard and rebelled? It's a question. Who heard the gospel? Who heard the news of God and rebelled? Wasn't it really all who came out of Egypt under Moses? God is emphasizing something here. And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? For 40 years, they provoked him. They angered him. And he says, was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? Verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they will not enter his rest, if not those who what disobeyed. 
So we see that they were unable to enter because of what? Unbelief. So holiness also means one separating from unbelief. Means that when it comes to your life, there should not be any room for unbelief. Hear me. This is important for you to get. So when you are going through situations, the moment you unbelief what God is able to do, you start to rebel against what he has said. Because unbelief leads to Rebellion. You didn't get to me here, church. Maybe I'm speaking to somebody, but not everybody else. It is necessary for the believer to recognize that the people of Israel were the same people that God said in the book of Exodus chapter 3 that I have heard the cry of my people. And he sent his prophet to deliver them out of the hand of Pharaoh. This is the same time that we live in. Where God has brought forth his son Jesus Christ to take away the sin of this world. But yet, even though he is the way, the truth, and the life. When we go through the trials and the tribulations. When we go through the afflictions. We start to walk around with a doubt. When, when would this change? I guess God is not going to answer my prayer. But to be able to uphold him in righteousness. Hear me. To uphold him in his holiness, you have to walk in belief. The center of holiness is your belief in him. Because if you don't believe that he's holy, then you are denying everything that exists about his word. If you don't believe God is holy, then you are simply saying the sin that is still holding you down, he's unable to take away that sin. If you don't believe and uphold his holiness, then you are simply saying that he's incapable. He is incapable. To wipe away the past. If you don't believe that he is holy. Then you are simply saying. The curse of the past. The ancestral curses. Still has hold over your life. But I have been made holy. Because he said that he is holy. So I also ought to be holy. So as he is holy. So I am holy. So as he is holy. So I am holy. So the issues of yesterday. The drunkenness of yesterday. The pain of yesterday. The bitterness of yesterday. I no longer hold on to it. Because he is holy. Because I know he's holy. He's made me holy. Everything that used to drive me away from God no longer have hold of me.
The apostle was teaching us something very powerful here. Go to, go to the same Hebrews again. And I want us to look at chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. And then from there, we'll look at 11 to 16. He says, therefore, while the promise remain of entering his breast, let us fear so that none of you should miss it. Tell your neighbor, none of us should miss it. It says, while the promise remain, it means the promise of entering into the rest of God. Into the presence of the Most High God. It's still a promise that still remains. It is not only just in the days of the old. But today, it remains. Look what the apostle says. For we also have received the good news. Just as they did. But the message they heard did not benefit them. Saying they were not united with those who heard it in what? Faith. Alright? For we who have believed enter the rest. We who have what? Believe. Please pay attention here church. We who have believed enter what? The rest. In keeping with what he has said. In keeping with what he has what said. You enter into the rest by keeping his word. But you are not just keeping the word. You are keeping the word by the evidence of your faith. So, I saw in my anger, they will not enter my rest. And yet, this works have been finished since the foundation of the world. Go to verse 11. Let us then make every effort. Say let us. Make every effort to enter that rest. Tell your neighbor, let us make every effort to enter the rest. Let us make every effort to enter the rest. I came to announce to somebody here today. May from this day going forward, may you start making progress into the resting place of God. The place of his peace. The place of his joy. The place of his joy. The place whereby you are more than a conqueror in the mighty name of Jesus. The rest. The rest. There is a promise. When you enter into this rest, when you are in the rest of God, it doesn't matter what yesterday brought against you. You still have peace because His promise still stands firm in your life. So, Hebrews 11, chapter 4, verse 11 says, Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall in the same pattern of disobedient church huh. for the word of God is living and active a lot of times we quote this scripture without recognizing where it's coming from we 
quote this scripture without recognizing where it's coming from. It's coming from you changing your mind that everything about his word you will take wholeheartedly. For the word of the Lord is living and active and sharper than two-edged sword, penetrating as far as, the, the, as, as to divide souls, spirit, joint, and marrow. It is, judge of, it is a judge of ideas and what? Thoughts of the heart. Means that as you receive the word and you believe in the word, the word that penetrates into the way you think, you don't no longer have your own ideas. But now your ideas become the ideas of God. You no longer depend on your thoughts. But now your thoughts become the thoughts of God. So then in the life of a believer who understands the scripture, they have the ability to enter into places where everything is chaotic. But because they understand the word that they are carrying, they are able to speak the word. And something automatically starts to happen. Why? Because their thoughts is different. They don't function on the same ideas of man. You see, the, 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 the principle is this. The life of Joseph teaches us that a man who held onto the word of God. The Bible says that he became a prime minister in a foreign land. I came to announce to you that for you to enter into that place of the promise... For you to enter into that place of the promise, you need to be able to know how to hold on to the word and live according to the word. Let the word become your ideas. Let the word become your thoughts. Because when the word becomes your thoughts and the word becomes your ideas, the things that you are able to do, you will even say, I am even, I'm not sure how I did this. But it's because the ideas of God is working. Say amen unto Jesus. Say holiness. Behold his holiness. You are saying as if you are angry at somebody. Repent in the name of Jesus. Because of time, I'm not going to go all there. But I want you to take your scriptures to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. It talks about separate yourself. Separate yourself. We are living in a time that we don't want to say this in a church. But we have believers that have made excuses to live in a certain lifestyle of sin. But you have to be set loose. Yeah. Because God has a greater purpose for you. Separate yourself from everything that you you hold on to things so bad. How can a believer have their own enemies? You walk around bitter and angry with everyone. There is no room for mercy. Can I preach this to you? Yeah. You are saying you want to behold the king. Huh? You want to behold the king. But your lifestyle does not reflect his holiness. You have mixed Righteousness and unrighteousness together. Anything that is mixed is not real. Live a life of holiness. 
Forgive and forget. Let love penetrate in your life. Let love, that be the, let love be the reason for your marriage. Not because of how she looks. Not because of what she does for you. But love be the reason why you are married. Am I teaching something here to a church? You, you, we want to behold the king, his holiness, when even when it comes to our time. To wait upon the Lord. We put him last. <laughs> Listen. For me to stand before him. Blamelessly. Let me tell you the truth. Look at yourself. And look at, let's look at each other. Look at how we deal with God. When, if you are going to church, I mean to work, give yourself an hour late and see what God, your, your manager will do. Oh yeah. Let's stop making the Christianity lifestyle something that is not. Let live the practicality of it. Are you beholding his holiness in your service? How do you serve God in his house? Do you even think about, since I became a believer, what am I doing to serve him? Do you think about serving him? Is there a desire to serve him? But we want to behold His holiness. Holiness is separating from everything else to God. Behold His holiness to the point of your giving. Yeah. I normally don't preach about this, but let me say it. Even when you are giving to God, do you look at that giving as, a, as, as, as His essence of His holiness? Or do you look at that given as if you have it? So this is what you want to do for him. Silver and gold, everything is his. If you don't get on the train of this holiness, the reason why the church worldwide has become silent in prayer is because we have neglected holiness. But you see, where holiness is not, God is not there. You cannot force God to come into a company where there is unholiness and want him to dwell in unholiness. He is holy. My brothers and sisters, let me preach the truth to you. He is a holy God. And everything about our life needs to be what? Holy. It's your thinking separated from the way you used to think before you were born again. Yeah. Some of us in the house of God. That is where we are, you know, playing on our iPhones, doing all things. Why? I'm about to show you something. Because we have not filled the tank of holiness. 
with purity. Say purity. The second point I want to cover. Behold what? His purity. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. I want to show you something. It says, therefore, friends, since we have such what? Promises. And I'm going to show you the way the promises is. It's in chapter 6. We should wash ourselves clean. Other translations say we should purify ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and what? The spirit. Making our sanctification complete in the fear of the Lord. I actually like the other translation that says that making our, making our sanctification perfect in the fear of the Lord. There is a perfection that comes with holiness. And every child of God needs to aim after that perfection. But for that perfection to rule in our life, we need to have an, a desire for purity. One thing I said here is that the purity, purity is the dunamis, power that resides in holiness. It is the power of God that resides in what? Holiness. When everything is kept pure, you see the power of the holiness that flows in our lives. Secondly, purity is the fire of our faith. Job chapter 23, verses 10 to 12. The Bible says, But we know the way that I take. But he knows, sorry, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as what? Gold. I shall come forth as what? Gold. My foot has held fast to his what? Steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I shall not depart from the command of what? His lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. You see how this man was selected by God. He told Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Why? Because he's a man that he understood. We, don't, we think that sometimes Job did not have any problem. Job probably had more problem even before the, what is recorded in scriptures. But what I know is that the Bible wanted to bring our attention to the integrity, the purity that resided in Job. He said that he knows the way I take. Mean that God knows every step that I take. So he has tested me. He has what? Tested me. And after testing me, what? I shall come forth as what? Gold. Purity. If you go through the tests, do you come out as what? God's intention, God's plan concerning you is that every test you go through, you shall come out as what? Gold. But that was Job understanding. But then he went to the New Testament. And he gave us a different height of this understanding. First Peter chapter 1 verse 7. Peter said, can we go there briefly? 
It says, so that the genuineness of your faith, which is much more precious than what? Gold. Hmm. Now, we are speaking in the times of the Holy Ghost. Now, my test is not just bringing me out as gold. But after I go through my tests, I will become more precious than gold. I pray in the name of Jesus that whatever you may have gone through in 2021, before the end of this year, before the end of this service, you will come out at more precious than gold in the name of Jesus. That though it be tried with fire, might be found unto me praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. When it's tried, I'll come out as what? More than gold. The third point I want to make in purity here is this. Proverbs 22 verses 11. Purity makes you Become a friend of God. Purity makes you become a friend of God. So if you want to walk in that friendship that the Bible says that God said about Abraham, Abraham is my friend. You have to get to the very place that purity can be found. I say purity can what? Be found. You see, the reason why you know Abraham was a man that walked blamelessly in purity, the Bible says that when God told him to take his son to go and sacrifice him, his son asked him, Father, where is everything? <laughs> where is everything? Where is everything that we need for the sacrifice? Abraham said, the Lord will provide. Abraham was exercising holiness and purity. You see, when you are walking in the holiness of God, you are walking in the position of God. And where purity is, why does he walk in purity? Because Abraham has gone through trials upon trials. And he has come to recognize that this God provides. So it is not now that I'm going to ask God, you want me to go sacrifice my son? Where are they? What do I say to my son to convince him? I don't need a convincing statement. But all my son needs to know is that God will provide. All you need to know in the course of your journey is that God will what? Provide. Tomorrow by this time, God will provide. In 2022, God will provide. I wish you said that over your life and your ministry and your family. God will provide. So the blessing of this is that if you read Jeremiah 32 verses 36 to 40, read that on your own time because of time. But the Bible makes us understand that those who hold on to God's promises, God says, I will walk with them. So if God is walking with you, what else do you need? The third point is the testimony of beholding his righteousness. Philippians chapter 3 verses 7, as we'll be almost coming to a close. Philippians chapter 3 verses 7 to 14, if we can go there quickly. 
I read, for what, but, but whatever were gains to me, I consider lost. This is the apostle Paul speaking. For the sake of what? Christ. What is now? I consider everything a loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Jesus, my Lord. You see, when you are dealing with people that know how to behold him in his holiness, in his purity, in his righteousness, they forget about themselves. All they see is Jesus Christ. What their heart desire is, is about Jesus. They want Jesus to be the center of everything about their life. So Apostle Paul said, I count everything a lost. I count everything a lost. The thing that you have held on to that you can't seem to forgive, count it a lost. Because there is a greater gain when you know Jesus. And that's what righteousness does. You see, when you gain the place of righteousness in Jesus, you gain the access of the place of God, the place of Christ, that you do not walk around condemned, but you walk around in the liberty of Jesus. You walk around in the hope of Christ. You walk around with the joy of the Lord. You walk around because God sees not just you, not based on your messed up issues of the past, but when God sees you, he sees Jesus. So Paul said, I consider everything a loss. For knowing Christ, my Lord, this man have, have opened churches. His desire now is to know him more. Oh my God. We haven't got there. I always say, God, remind me that I've never gotten there. That you have enough to give me. You think it's all about our skills? We have not got there. I always tell those who, 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 who lead worship and praises, don't think it's about your voice. If you think it's about your voice, you, for, you, 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 you will be left behind. But for me, I always say, you, you will surprise you, huh? Some people say that I don't have the voice. And you hear me keep singing. Because me in heaven, when you enter heaven, the choir director of heaven, today you see him as a preacher. But in heaven, you see me as the leader of the choir in heaven. That when my father rises on his feet, the song that comes out of my mouth, and the heavenly host will join me and say, what's singing? There will be up there. Ah, I wish somebody knew what I'm speaking of. What we are yearning after is not a position in this world. What I am yearning after it's not a place in this place. But what I'm yearning after is where I will sit in the place of my heavenly father. When he comes, where will you sit? I tell. Sometimes I, my, some of my daughters will call me. I'm telling them, I say, some people want God to build their mansions in heaven. Me, God, I want a nation. I want a whole village to myself. Hallelujah. You stop trying to build your inheritance on this earth. It will pass away. Righteousness tells you, stop depending on the things of this world. 
You see, when you, are, when you don't understand righteousness, you become focused on the things of this world. No position. Yesterday, I had some of my children in the house, and they were asking me, so at work, do they know that you're a pastor? I said, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because even in meetings, I preach to them. And when they misbehave, I call them to the office. And I pray for some of them. I pray for some of them. Yeah. Because everywhere we go, the light does not stop. The light does not stop. Righteousness says that we are no longer condemned. But it's about Jesus. And I'll continue to read verses 9. It says, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of our own, that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. The participation in his suffering. Becoming like him. Say to your neighbor, become like him. Become like him. In his death. And so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. The old is dead. The new has come. The new is the resurrection power. The resurrection power did not leave us in the grave. The resurrection power did not leave our guilt in the grave. But the resurrection power took away our cup of salvation. And took it out of our life. Church, there's a lot to say. There is a lot to say. But I want to end here. Beholding the king. It's about seeing and testifying. Who he is. Do you see him for who he is? And are you able to testify of who he is? Holiness. See him as holy. If you see God as holy, you cannot rob God from anything. Whatever he asks of you, you are able to give it. See him as the God that is pure. Purity is the fountain gate, is the life that flows through your holiness. Show me your holiness. You show it by your purity. That in everything you remain pure. Pure. Psalm 12 verses 6. The Bible says, the words of the Lord are pure words. I said silver is is tried in the furnace of earth. Purified seven times. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord are pure words. You see, a man or a woman that walks in holiness, in purity, and in righteousness, they see that every word of God is pure. Why? Because the word of God has been purified. Seven times, as the scripture says here. So when the time came, 
that the king Nebuchadnezzar told Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to bow. The Bible says, they said, oh king, we cannot bow to what you have created. And the Bible said the king became so angry. Daniel chapter 3, verses 16. Daniel chapter 3, I'm ending here. Verses 16 to 19. If somebody is there, say amen unto Jesus. If you are there, you can also read it. Okay. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, if the God I serve exists, if the God I serve is holy, if the God I serve is righteous, if the God I serve is pure in his word, then check this out. He says, then he, will, he can rescue us from the furnace of the blazing fire and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you to know, kin, to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Verse 19 is where I want to end here. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego. And he gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than the customary. He thought he had them by elevating the fire seven times. But little did the king know that the people that have hold on to the word of God has gone through the process of holiness. They have been purified seven times. They have been purified seven times. They have been purified seven times. So the Bible says when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was placed in the burning furnace, when they came out, their clothes still remained intact. I wish somebody knew what it meant to hold on to the word of God because they have been purified. They have been purified. So the heat of the furnace of this earth cannot sustain it. Whatever you are going through, if you can hold on to the word of God, if you can hold on to Jesus, if you can recognize he is holy, he is pure, he is righteous, what come what may, the Lord will deliver you. I say he will deliver you because you have gone through purification. As you hold on to the word, the word is purifying you. The word is purifying you. The word is purifying you. So the Bible says, what can come against? Nothing. The righteous fall seven times. But they get back up. Because they are being purified. The first time, they got purified. And guess what? They got back up. And then something happened again. And they, they fall. And then God. But when they fell, they remember what their pastor had preached. So they went back to the scriptures and said, God, 
your said your word says John 3 16 for because you love the world you gave Christ Jesus to me and as they read that scripture they got purified they got rise up again and then on the fourth time they were knocked down but when they were knocked down no weapon that formed against me shall prosper so they got purified again and on the sixth time uh, they got knocked down again but they remembered the word if the Lord be for me what can be against me and so the seventh time holiness Holiness to your neighbor, holiness. Some may not want to listen, but the truth has been spoken. Yeah, I sense that in my spirit now. And you have to come to the place of giving yourself to Jesus because a rest still remains. You may still want to do things your way, but God is saying to you today. You need my rest. You need my rest. Holiness, purity, and righteousness. That will take you and I into 2022. Praising God in victory. Rise on your feet. And lift up your voice of prayer before God. Ask God to just release a great unction and great grace over your life.